0: Here's a message from today's episode's sponsor. Last year, nearly 40% of Americans delayed or skipped medical care due to costs. TaylorMed offers a comprehensive solution. The nation's largest network of patients, providers, pharmacies, life science companies and other partners dedicated to improving health care affordability. Anywhere a prescription is written or dispensed. TaylorMed's innovative product suite empowers network constituents to improve patient experience and outcomes while boosting their own financial health. Its best-in-class platform proactively identifies patients in need and automates enrollment in cost-saving resources, spanning more than 60,000 assistance programs and over 1,000 chronic conditions. By matching patients with the right resources at the right time, TaylorMed enables pharmacies and providers to reduce prescription abandonment, boost adherence, and increase revenue. To learn more, head to www.taylormed.co.
1: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
0: The Sex PharmD Podcast with your host, Dr. Nadia Archambault, licensed clinical pharmacist and certified sex therapist, with a focus on women's sexual health and wellness. Dr. A is here to cover important health topics and answer all of your questions about subjects that can be applied to pharmacy practice. And now, here's Dr. A.
2: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Pharmacy Podcast Network Sex PharmD. Today, I have another fellow pharmacist who specializes in the field of sexual health. Uh, Dr. Tara Thompson, welcome. Welcome today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm great. I'm so grateful that you were able to come on here. I know you're super busy. Um, So Tara here is a pharmacist. She's a patient advocate in the field of sexual health. She's also a practicing compounding pharmacist for about 11 years now. Is that correct? Yeah, about 11 years. Been, yeah, that's great. Yeah, 11 years. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, she's at innovative innovation compounding. And what I love about this is the compounding she does is in the field of sexual medicine. She develops and designs pharmaceutical drug combinations for various sexual health conditions, which we're going to talk about in the show. Um, also the creator of the website, the which we will be providing in the show notes. This is a phenomenal website. I love it. Uh, And uh, creator of the advocacy panel called Just Ask. So we'll be talking about that too. I'm very excited. (laughs) All right. Yes. Oh,
3: that's all my favorite
2: things that you just talked about. So
3: thank you for for saying that. Yeah. So um, nice to meet you all. My name is Tara Thompson and so yeah, I mean, basically right out of pharmacy school, um, I got a position in compounding. Um, I actually trained down in Houston at PCCA, which is a big compounding um, company for, for those of you who know PCCA. But mm-hmm. um, so I've always loved compounding. I was always very strong in chemistry and math. I just, I, I I get it. It comes to me really easy. So Compounding worked out really really well as a pharmacist because you get to do a lot of that chemistry and a lot of that math. So, um, yeah, I got into compounding right out of pharmacy school and I've really been here ever since. I joke that this that I probably won't ever do any other job besides compounding, um, but it's kind of true because I I don't see myself anywhere else. So, uh compounding sort of has brought me into this world of sexual medicine that I didn't even know existed. Um, I know a lot of people listening are probably pharmacists, and we don't learn this in school. I mean, Nadia, did you learn sexual? Health? I mean, besides like maybe some men's health, erectile dysfunction,
2: maybe, maybe no, some nothing. Birth control, yeah, but erectile dysfunction and birth control, and that was yeah. <laughs> that's basically sexually, it. Sexually transmitted infections. Yep. We learned about yep. those infectious but, disease included that, but nothing about about really about this, you know.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and and I didn't even know, I mean, that it existed until I got into this compounding world. And we we made a lot of um hormone replacement therapy type compounds because that there's not a whole lot available um at your at your retail pharmacy for hormone replacement therapy. Um so we did a lot of that, but what I was noticing is that all these patients were also asking and all these doctors too were asking about, well, what can I do with my patient? for my patient with vulvodynia, what can I do for my patient with, um, inorgasmia or Mm -hmm. clitoridinia or, um, bacterial vaginosis. And so I, I was getting all these questions and I was like, you know, felt dumb as a pharmacist. I was like, I don't know, you know, I, I I'll have to look that up for you. So, um, I got into this realm of just all of these amazing health conditions that, I didn't even know existed. We weren't taught them in school. There is a entire population of patients who suffer from women's health, female sexual dysfunctions, pelvic pain issues, Mm -hmm. um, that they don't have any, anything available to them in the retail sector and the commercially available FDA approved medications. And so these, these poor doctors and poor patients are reaching out and, and trying to grasp at what can, how can I help my patient? What can we do? And so for me, um, it just opened my eyes to, wow, there's so much more out there that we, you know, left to be, to be studied. And that was what 11 years ago. So I started just researching. I got involved in, um, different organizations that supported women's health, um, issues, um, or pelvic pelvic health issues. And really met a lot of amazing providers, amazing healthcare providers, mid-level practitioners, doctors, um, nurses, pelvic floor therapists, met so many amazing people who are just like, oh yeah, there's an entire patient population out there and and we we need to figure out how to help them. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where my journey started. And I just got more in-depth and in-depth and, and tried to learn more about each one of these different health conditions, and then designing compounds, compounded medications and preparations around those disease states based on what was going on with the patient, what the mechanism of action mm-hmm. of the drug did to help combat their particular um, etiology of their of their disease. So, so yeah, and then here we are today trying to <laughs> advocate for patients to ask their healthcare providers about these things. I mean, so many women today think that, you know, vaginal pain is, is normal and that they need to just suck it up and sweep it under the rug. And so many times we hear, you know, people say, just have a glass of wine and some lube and it'll correct right. your problems. And it's like, no, this is actual, like, this could be of neurologic origin. This could be of hormonal origin. Like this is a, this is an actual, ICD-10 code that right. doctors write for, but don't have therapies to to help manage them. So um, yeah, I know. Why is it okay for
2: pain to be okay? <laughs> <Right. laughs> you no, know, I don't. I don't understand that. Yeah, you know, I, I don't understand it. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. So
3: so um so that kind of led me down the path of building um the sexual health pharmacist. Um, I try to just mainly advocate for the patient. Um, I try to just get the word out about different medications that can help with, you know, pelvic floor dysfunction or, um, you know, post-operative therapies that may have affected some nerves um, in a patient after their hysterectomy and, and what neuro, you know, neuro proliferative conditions have arisen because of that and what drugs can combat that. Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily commercially available products. It, it might be, you know, a lot of doctors prescribe oral gabapentin or oral amitriptyline for vaginal pain. Um, but there's actually different medications that we can also build that are topical. We can build topical gabapentins, topical amitriptylines, mm-hmm. um, vaginal suppositories like diazepam that help relax the pelvic floor muscles there's just so many amazing different options out there um, that I feel like pharmacists are in such an, a great position to to know because we, we know those mechanisms of action and how they can help the patient.
2: So um, yeah, yeah, now, so as far as for our listeners, how can they find out about these different treatment options? Um, yeah. As far as the compounds go like how do, how did you find the ideas and and find the compounds you know as far as on a mm-hmm. research level what's been the best the best practice for you
3: the best practice for me i would say would would be researching the disease state once you know what's causing um say it's pelvic floor muscle dysfunction or what they also call vaginismus or levator ani syndrome It's where the muscles of your pelvic floor basically, um, are super tense. It's, it's cutting off circulation to your nerves causing vaginal pain in the vaginal canal and, um, in that area. So the goal is to relax that muscle system that's there, the levator anti-system of muscles. It's several muscles that hold up all of your organs and on your pelvic floor. Um, so, knowing how to relax that and and i think of it in terms of medication there's other ways there's pelvic floor physical therapy there's mm-hmm. you know um certain like biofeedback techniques um but i think in terms of medication what could i put anatomically at that muscle to help it relax mm-hmm. we have use diazepam amitriptyline cyclobenzaprine baclofen maybe it's spasming um so building compounds around that just by knowing what's causing the particular condition. So I think the first step for me would be to research the actual condition itself, figure out what's causing it, and then knowing from a pharmacological standpoint, knowing what to use there to treat it. And, and there's a lot of ongoing studies that are testing a lot of these things. So you can find literature. Um, sometimes you have to extrapolate from different studies, different drugs from different studies. but um, yeah, I think that's where I got a lot. I also talking, you know, with specific healthcare providers that are in this area of medicine. I mean, there's you're a lot of your urologists and gynecologists are seeing a lot of these types of patients, too. So they're sort of mm-hmm. educating themselves. They don't learn this stuff in med school either. So we're not alone as pharmacists nobody's teaching this. And so um, yeah. I think one of the problems is we need more curriculum around this, uh, which is another, you know, soapbox that we can tackle. Um, but, you know, getting advice from them too, like, how, what, what could we use working together as a multidisciplinary team for a patient and figuring out what we can put together for this patient to,
2: to help them basically is, is what is, is the best. I like that. It's patient centric. Yeah. I like how you approach that. That's great. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've looked at the compounding company that you're with and, you know, we'll include that in the notes also. And I love, love, love your website. Um, and for our listeners also, you have some great under education, you have some great resources for organizations and associations. I know ASECT, I love ASECT, the American Mm -hmm. Association of Sexual Educators, Counselors Mm -hmm. and Therapists. There's a lot on here too. There's just a lot of, a lot to find, but it's just a matter of what, you know, where to find it, (laughs) you know, because there's so many new things out. Um, Yeah. I think one of the, one of the coolest
3: um, or one of the best organizations for me, what I've, where I've probably learned the most is ISHWISH. Mm. Um, it's I-S-S-W-S-H, but it's the International um, Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. Mm-hmm. And so literally this entire organization is built around researching women's sexual health and all of these conditions. And um, it is just an amazing group of brilliant, brilliant healthcare providers who so this is their sole focus. This is what their entire practice is built around. And so they know a lot. Um, and just getting, getting involved as a pharmacist. I mean, they love pharmacists. They're like, Ooh, tell me the dosing of this. Like, Oh, do you, you know what, what does this drug interact with? So they're always looking for help from pharmacists mm-hmm. and they appreciate our feedback and, and our creativity too. And we're like, have you tried this or like, you know, what about this? And, um, Yeah, it's really interesting. They, they, we just put out a, um, a website called prosayla.com, P-R-O-S-A-Y-L-A.com. And, and we can, we can tag all this at the end and everything, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a patient, patient, like audience website where they try to go into each one of the different sexual health conditions and explain it like in a very, um, clinical way and in a very way that you can trust this website because it's written by doctors. And so it's not like you're just Googling like, you know, what is that on my vulva? You're actually looking at a vulvar skin disorder and this is written by doctors. It's telling you all the dermatoses that are affecting the vulva, what's causing the itching and burning and discomfort. So Um, just a really great website we built. Um, we, we started building it last year and we are always adding new articles. So it's just a great resource for patients to go to and great read about something, you know, from a medical standpoint and and know that it's, it's the truth and it's good information.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really good to know. Um, Mm. now, as far as compounds that you've seen and you've created, uh, What are you seeing right now as far as ones for low libido, anything for low libido for women? Um, I know, you know, you talked a little bit about compounds used topically for women with pain during intercourse, Mm -hmm. which I think that's fantastic. You know, a lot of, I think a lot of us pharmacists don't even know that that's out there, you know? Right,
3: right. Um, Yeah. So low libido, um, otherwise known as hypoactive sexual desire disorder, HSD, Mm -hmm. is the, is the, true icd-10 code um that is oh gosh i just i just love this question okay so <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's so dependent on so many things so um in the sexual health field we go a lot by what's called the biopsychosocial approach um to okay to low libido um and so that can, that means that there's basically these all these concentric circles if you think about like a venn diagram there's like a a biologic component. So that could mean it could be due to hormones, anatomy, you know, just whatever's happening biologically. Maybe you have some nerve damage or maybe you just had a baby or something. So what's causing this low libido? And then there's the psycho. So the the the, the psycho the psycho psychoanalytical part of what could be causing mm-hmm. the low libido. Are, is it a is it a body image disorder? Do you have um do you have some past trauma that's causing, you know, you to think a certain way? Were you, were you raised a certain way where you were taught that that was bad or a sin, you know, like there's that. And then there's the social aspect of it. So, um, you know, is it a religion thing? Is it, you know, um, there's just so many different factors that play into it. Is it a, Marital issue, you know, you have mm-hmm. your, you have sexual therapists out there, like like uh, like yourself, but mm-hmm. um, you have sexual educators who are just teaching patients that, you know, there's so many, there's so much more to um your what's causing this. And it could be a multifactorial issue, like there could be several different yeah. things. Um, but a lot of it too, um, could be, well, from a pharmacist standpoint, we look at it um in the um, neurotransmitter sort of area. Um, so there are some, there are two commercially available medications out there for low libido. They help balance your neurotransmitters out to where you have excitatory neurotransmitters and you have inhibitory neurotransmitters. And so these drugs are aimed at increasing your excitatory neurotransmitters, um, like melanocortin, um, and, and, um, Epinephrine and those types of things. Oh yeah, and then, mm-hmm. and then you have your inhibitory ones um, that these drugs are also targeted toward those. So it's trying to get an imbalance,
1: mm-hmm.
3: or it's trying to get a balance there. Um, sort of increasing those inhibitory and decreasing the, um, decreasing the inhibitory and increasing the excited, <laughs> uh, neurotransmitters. But um, those are commercially available, but those don't always work for everyone. So you might not mm-hmm. have an issue with your neurotransmitters. It could be a hormonal issue. Um, right. In which case. We've used um, like testosterone helps with libido. Um, oxytocin helps with arousal that may be mm-hmm. causing low libido if you're just like having a hard time getting aroused, um, which can be used for men and women, by the way.
2: Um, so yes. Yes. Yep. I, mm-hmm. I I was involved with compounding with that also. That was pretty popular for both.
3: It, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely, it's a it's a very very popular peptide if you're looking for to help with it's called the cuddle hormone so um it's kind of layman's yeah. term the cuddle hormone so it could be used for men and women um and it it helps you know sort of increase that arousal feeling and and that feeling of being loved it's a very calming nurturing feeling um, from oxytocin so uh those are some of the compounds that we do is like oxytocin nasal spray troches mm-hmm. uh, sublingual troches or buccal um, lozenges and then on the testosterone side um testosterone is only 3% bioavailable when it's given orally so we usually never give testosterone orally it's always usually topical um or vaginal mm-hmm. for women um you can also give it by injection but it's it's a whole you know there's a whole another piece to that because it's an oil
2: based product but anyways um yeah and it's such a tiny dose too for women <laughs> for it's women, hard yeah
3: yeah for sure for sure because yeah. women are 10 times less the dose of a man or 10 times less the levels of a man so you have right. to be careful with that, but um usually compounding um testosterone for women in terms of a vaginal or like a clitoral cream mm-hmm. or oil that they can apply. And it helps just, you know, cause a little bit more arousal, a little bit more libido um there for them. So those are the
2: two main ones I see compounded. And it amazes um, me too, because I, I know whenever I look at patient, I, I'll tell, you know, one of my female patients to get their hormones checked and they'll come back. And there's no testosterone in the panel.
0: Like they just,
2: I don't know why they always omit that. And testosterone is important for women. I notice that a lot. I don't really understand why it's not always included in blood work panels. Right, testosterone is
3: very, very important for women. Mm -hmm. Um, Although we have very, very, you know, minuscule amounts compared to men. People always think men, um, you know, in terms of all this testosterone, like testosterone in the 800s and 900s and thousands. Well, women are in the like, tens and twenties and thirties. So, um, it's just a very much lesser amount of testosterone needed for women, but it's still very important for libido and also for energy. So a Mm -hmm. lot of like postmenopausal women too, um, you'll see, a a zero testosterone in their system and, and they're just, you know, run down, no libido. And it is a good medication, um, when given in the correct dosing for women who need it for sure. Correct. Absolutely. Um yeah and so then there's um another piece of uh, female sexual health is vulvar and vaginal skin disorders there's a whole um there's a whole realm of gynecologic dermatology there's people who specialize in that field um this can be anything from the lichen's conditions like um lichen simplex lichen sclerosis these can happen in the in the vaginal area and the vulvar area, which um the vulvar, the vulva and the vestibule are just kind of the outer part um, of the vaginal area of a woman. So um that's another yeah. important counseling point for patients yeah. to really show them a picture of the anatomy and say, this is where you're gonna apply the cream. You know, it's not just insert vaginally. Sometimes it's in a specific area. Um you know, you use sort of like a clockwork technique at 12 o'clock, at three o'clock, at um, six o'clock, and you can teach patients that way. But um, there are skin disorders that um, happen in patients um, that there are compounded medications for. It could be that they need a mast cell stabilizer because they have a lot of itching and, and you know, atopic dermatitis type issues there. Um And I think that a common, a common thing that happens that, you know, we're trying to help doctors with too, is that they'll prescribe them something at the retail pharmacy that's meant to be used on the skin, like for acne or something. Right. So, but that cream wasn't necessarily built for the vaginal area, which is a lot more sensitive. Uh, It's more of a mucosal barrier, mucosal area area. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just not in a correct base to be used vaginally. And sometimes that can irritate the patient even more. These patients are already sensitive. So, you know, putting on a medication that was designed for the skin, which, you know, has a slightly basic pH and then putting it into the vaginal area, the vaginal canal, which has a pH of four to five. sometimes, Sometimes that just, you know, is more detrimental for the patient. So building compounds that are appropriately pH balanced with those particular ingredients in it that the patient needs. Um, it's also a really, really great place that compounding can step in and help with with um with vaginal and vulvar health issues.
2: That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Perfect. Yeah.
3: You don't think about that though, right? No.
2: I guess when you're writing a prescription, it's just like,
3: oh, you need clobetazole. Okay, well I'll give you the clobetazole cream. It's it's really cheap, that's pharmacy. But that clobetazole was designed for the skin, like, right. The more tough outer, you know, barrier skin that has a different pH. and so yeah, it's it's just we can put clobetazole in a cream or ointment or oil or you know, something that is pH, um, you know, more acidic pH. It's made for that particular area, doesn't have a lot of additives or ingredients that the patient may react to. Um, can have make it preservative free alcohol free all of that so yeah compounding certainly has a wonderful place in female sexual health like I said that's kind of where I started learning about female sexual health Mm -hmm. is because all these doctors were looking for these things and I wasn't necessarily educated on what they were for
0: so we'd like to thank our podcast sponsors for supporting our programs here's a quick message
1: Keycentrix is a premier provider of business-enhancing technology for independent pharmacies. Their powerful solutions help specialty, retail, mail order, and direct-to-consumer pharmacies thrive. Use newly pharmacy management software with the SendKey communication platform and Flextrack's point-of-sale system to run better, smarter, and faster while maintaining the highest quality patient and prescriber care. Gain faster prior authorizations, greater patient adherence, improved prescription accuracy, and better utilization of staff, all with a 24-7 help desk and Keycentrics University, an online training system that can be accessed from any device, anytime. Learn how Keycentrics can help your pharmacy by visiting Keycentrics.com.
2: Yeah. And I feel like that's where the therapy is going to come from is, is the compound on the compounding level, you know, because there's really not a lot out there from a retail perspective, commercially available perspective. And I think that there needs to be more resources for our pharmacists as far as. You know, how to point patients in the right direction for when they do need something compounded like that. That's very specific. Right. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. And when, um, you know,
3: there's there's also I've seen a lot of really great strides being taken, though, in terms of. Getting more studies surrounding these health conditions, um, more training available for providers around these okay. health conditions, getting pharmacists involved on, you know, in the sexual therapy realm and the sexual education, sexual counseling, um, helping, you know, becoming more a part of a team with these doctors to help them figure out how to treat these patients. So um, I, I've seen great strides happen versus 10 years ago when it was all kind of, you know, new and you know there wasn't any medications out there for libido, there was nothing available for women, really. Right. Uh, and I, again, just kind of don't don't talk about it type of thing. Um, but as compared to today, when there's definitely a lot more resources and people are starting to get a little bit more privy to I guess speaking out about their bodies and and really Asking the questions to their doctors, like "Is this normal? Like, should I be experiencing this? And is there anything to yeah. can do for it?" No. So. Yeah,
2: no. I mean, yeah, we we have sure. come we have come a long way at least. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> yes, but there's still um, so are, much a long way to go. <laughs> I know, it's so, still a lot. It's true. Uh, yeah. Are you seeing uh, Are you seeing compounding for uh, trans in transgender medicine? Are you seeing anything? Yeah, coming through on that end? Absolutely. So um, again,
3: there's not, you know, FDA approved treatments for these. So a lot of these providers are coming to compounders and saying, how can, how can you help? Do you have any protocols available? Do you have, you know, what dose do I give, you know, this trans woman or this trans man who's, you know, looking for um, to go through that change and, and yeah, you're manipulating their hormones essentially. In, in those patients who choose to go down that route and, and a lot of these providers who are seeing people with the sexual, um, the sexual health concerns and conditions, they do get, they do get the transgender population as their patient population too, because it's kind of, you know, they're kind of patient seeking help that they can't really find it anywhere else. Right. Um, Because a lot of doctors are like, I have no idea how to, you know, how to navigate a patient who wants to um, like a a trans man who wants to get estrogen therapy. So, or testosterone therapy. So yeah, we, we are building a lot of um, protocols around that. There's a lot of great resources out there. A lot of it um, does center around uh, hormone replacement therapy. So you're looking at, you know, Mm The estrogens and testosterone, and just balancing that out,
2: and yeah, and I would imagine you have to work very close closely with the prescribers because this is it is really like navigating new territory. um, As far as yeah,
3: especially patients who undergo bottom surgery, so they're actually getting the surgery that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, You have the the post surgical care that goes along with that, and then also keeping that area um, healthy. Via the use of a lot, a lot of different medications and creams and things that are, you know, adding hormones to the area too. So that's mm-hmm. that's another thing to think about is the post-surgical um, care that goes into it. And oh yes, most of the time involves um, hormone replacement therapy and also some um, like pelvic pain uh, remedies too. So,
2: yeah. yeah, and Definitely. now as far as are you dealing with mostly local doctors or? do you ship out of state at your, at your pharmacy?
3: Yeah. Um, well, innovation compounding itself is a nationwide, um, shipping pharmacy. So they're licensed okay. in 49 states. So everywhere except Hawaii, <laughs> <laughs> I volunteered to be the, you know, to be the one to go get the Hawaii license, but you know, um, oh yeah, <laughs> there are some great compounders in Hawaii. So they they kind of, you know, have a great monopoly over there, but, um, yeah. So innovation itself, um, if you're a, if you're a compounding pharmacy, you have to be licensed individually in the states that you ship into. You cannot ship into a state that you're not licensed in. Right. So um, a lot of pharmacies are only licensed in the state that they're located in. Um, Some pharmacies are located or licensed in, you know, a couple of different states. Um, The cool thing about innovation compounding is that they're licensed in all 49 states or all the, you know, contiguous states and Alaska. So um, we can work with providers nationwide. And I think that's been very helpful because we do have a lot of great information on sexual medicine. And mm-hmm. so providers do really lean on that and we can service their patients basically anywhere.
2: That's great. That's really good to know for our listeners too. If they're if they're looking to refer, if they have patients they want to refer for compounding, you know, that's really good to yeah. know. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, absolutely. because it's, it's hard to find depending it on what it state is. you're in.
3: It is hard to find. Um, You know, I always encourage people to, to like, you know, do join these, especially pharmacists. I'm always like advocating for pharmacists to, to, you know, be involved, but to join some of these, um, to join some of these organizations too, like IshWish, like Augs, the American Eurogyne Society. They're a wonderful society. They have brilliant minds. They're doing sexual medicine too. And just to come in as a pharmacist and, and you know stand up for yourself and say, hey, we can make these things. Like we can help your patients. Like here's what we have. Here's here's how we can step in and fill that gap and, and increase your patients' access to the medications they need. Um, so I'm always encouraging that too. But I mean, sure, innovation will take your prescriptions if you wants to.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> I think it. it's great. Yeah. And <laughs> and I love that. I love your Instagram too. Where did you find the pink banana photo for your website? I love it. Oh That's my gosh! Fantastic. One of our yeah. one of
3: our amazing marketers at Innovation uh, helped me help me get that scheme together. So I love yeah, it. She's a wonderful <laughs> designer. That uh, is great. I know it's kind of provocative, but I'm like, you know what? No, it, it's it good. It gets you. It gets you looking, and you're like, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. No, um, I love it. I love it.
2: <laughs> So tell me about just ask, and it's. I, I will say this. This is so funny. So my LLC is ask. It's called Ask Pharmacy Professionals, and my little oh. tagline for a while was just ask. You know. <gasps> wow, that is I too just funny. Yeah, I just use it for my LLC, but I thought that was so funny when I saw that. I was like, yeah, right on, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah,
3: yeah. So just just ask is um, basically like my little passion project. So I have a, a dear friend and colleague that I met through sexual medicine, actually. Her name's Heather Quayle. She's a nurse practitioner. She's a fantastic individual and she's always advocating for patients to just ask their most embarrassing, taboo, you know, mythical questions that they are too scared to ask anyone. And so we basically made this podcast with that being our platform and it's it's patient focused So we kind of talk like in layman's terms down to the patient, just saying like, not down to the patient, but in -hmm. patient's terms so that they can understand like, these are the, like, we bring on a a sexual health expert. So it might be, um, you know, a urologist or a gynecologist, uh, a physical, a pelvic floor therapist we've had. We have even had like a sexual assault um, survivor and um, nurse examiners. And um, so basically we're just, Sort of like walking patients through different health conditions, um, different questions that they could be asking their doctors, and kind of just encouraging them to just ask those questions to their doctors, and letting them know that they're in a safe space. It's, you know, it's something that you'd be really surprised to know that once you start talking about this or or looking for answers, there's a lot of information out there, and mm-hmm. and chances are that you're your provider, your healthcare provider that you're seeing has heard this before, or they have seen this before and probably know how to either treat you or at least get you in the right direction and on the right path to, to doing something about it. So um, I think part of it is just the stigma around asking the questions and that's what we're trying to sort of break down. So yeah, it's just a podcast we do. It's once a month and, um, Heather and I just co-host it and we bring on someone and just have like a very casual conversation like, like today. And, um, just ask that provider questions, like walk us through a a patient, you know, walk us through a patient, um, exam that you would Mm -hmm. do, or or what questions do you ask? Do you, do you ask permission? Do you get consent? Do you, you know, like Mm -hmm. what, and so that way, I don't know, it's just it's just a way for patients to hear. I think the more information, the better and the more education that they can go into their appointment or, you know, they're hearing from healthcare professionals um, instead of Googling it, uh, the yeah. better for them. So that's uh, kind of why we did that. And it's been really, really great. Um, we've gotten a lot of really, like really, really wonderful people there that, um, have come on the show as guests and just open our eyes to even different health conditions that we didn't know about. And yeah, sexual health too. I mean, we're not, we're not excluding the guys here. I mean, there's certainly lots of, um, sexual health conditions that happen in men. A lot of them have treatments available, but a lot of them don't. So, um, that there's a whole other realm too, that we can save for another show.
2: (laughs) Oh, I know. Right. I mean, (laughs) There really are so many things that come up, um, and you know, I know. Going back to the the con the compounding end of things mm-hmm. with the patient patient centric approach, you know, the female sex organ is is the brain. It starts there, so there's a lot going on, you know, Absolutely. and things that can affect the sex drive, or you know, mm-hmm. someone that even has vaginismus, for example, it might be more of a mental thing, you know, there might be something else going on with trauma that's causing the muscles to tense up. You know, it's it's really sure. it makes it more complex to treat the female patient for sure.
3: Right, right. There's there's I think the first step of of learning or or knowing how to treat or what therapy to use is to have a proper diagnosis by the by the healthcare provider. So mm-hmm. I mean, to, to figure out where that, where it's coming from, is it, is it apprehension because, you know, you're scared or does it, does it literally hurt? And if it hurts, then at what point is it, is it at, you know, first penetration? Is it a deep, is it a deep pelvic pain? Like what, what is causing this? And could it Mm -hmm. be a deeper issue? Could there be, you know, I don't know fibroids there or, or tumor, you know, like you have to go through all of the steps and, and there is some really, I mean, that's where the research is getting better and better. And there are some um, protocols available for, for providers to actually, you know, diagnose this, these things properly and then going from there on how to treat. Um, so yeah. there's different steps. There's um, like for, for instance, um, vulvodynia and vestibulodynia, which is basically pain um, in the on the outer vestibule of the vagina, not necessarily inside, but it's on the outer portion. And mm-hmm. then um, the vulva are the lips, the labias. Mm-hmm. Um, there there's pain associated with that, and it can be of different origins. It could be um, it could be uh, neuropathic, so it could be nerve pain or it can be hormonal pain due to um, like low estrogen in the area can cause um, a thinning of the the mucosa there, which can cause pain. Um, it could be upon penetration. It can be just, you know, sitting down for no reason. There's, there's different origins of these pain of this Mm -hmm. pain that has to first be properly diagnosed because then you can get a very more targeted treatment plan. Um, there's inflammatory vestibulodynia that's could be caused by an outer, you know, issue of, you know, what's something else that's causing the inflammation there. So just so many different um different causes. And and that is that is all very well spelled out in the guidelines too, is the different mm-hmm. causes and where the delineations are between that and then where to go from there. Um,
2: as far as treatment. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a that's a very good point. As far as you know how to how to where to start. <laughs> you know, right. with the treatment and, plan.
3: You know, sometimes these are these are present since birth. Mm-hmm. Um, It's a something they're born with. And then sometimes it can be due to you know, a surgery that happened and then Mm -hmm. it it started after that. Um, it could be, you know, there's so many different reasons. And then going back to the biopsychosocial approach, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's always that you have to think of too, is, is there, is there other issues that are going on that also have to be treated co-centrically so that everything gets taken care of?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for such such an amazing field. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I love that. Well, there's so much to still to learn, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so for our our listeners who don't know anything about even some of the things you were talking about, they're like, I've never heard of this or that. You know, um, where where should they start as far as educating themselves? I know there's, you know, it's hard to to figure out what website to go on. Um, but where should they start as far as some some websites or resources that have the best content for them to educate themselves. Yeah, I recommend. think that
3: the one I mentioned before, prosayla.com, that is my favorite because it's connected to Ishwish and it's written by mm-hmm. um, actual, you know, medical professionals mm-hmm. that specialize in this. So they're literally the best fountain of information that you can find. Um, and that is P-R-O-S-A-Y-L-A.com. Um, my website is, it's okay. I mean, it'll have some links. No, your website's to, great. Yeah. <laughs> it it doesn't have a lot of, like, I don't go into depth about each, you know, disease state or health condition, but it, it does have some good resources and links that can take you places that I know are trusted. Um, and so sometimes I have some patients there and I'm like, oh, you need, you know, you need a place to go for premenstrual syndrome or, or, you know. Um, premenstrual dysmorphic disorder. Like I have a mm-hmm. website for that, that, you know, is, is vetted out and and legitimate. So, um, I, so think, I, was, I, I think it's great. Down.
2: I think it's really great, at least as a starting point, they can go on your resources page. I love uh, ISWISH also. Uh, I think they're great, you know, and people can kind of go from there as far as navigating. But yeah, you have some great resources on here that make it easy, like a one stop at least to start
3: and there's yeah. so many wonderful um i mean if you i hate to say social media is the place to go but there's so many like wonderful doctors providers nurse practitioners therapists pelvic floor therapists there's so many great people on like instagram mm-hmm. i've learned so much from like there there are actual urologists who will go on there and you know talk about a patient case or um you know, do a highlight, like all week, we're going to talk about DHEA and everything, all the great things that DHEA does. And these are coming from, from doctors. I mean, these are like, they, they see this day in, day out and pharmacists too. And I try to put some stuff on mine, like to sort of, you know, highlight important articles that I see um, that have to do with sexual health or certain medications that are used um, in the field and sort of highlighting the important points about those medications. So, I mean, you can find a lot of great stuff. You can find a lot of eh, iffy stuff too, but if you follow the right, you know, the right providers, then it really is a great. um, Absolutely. Yeah,
2: no, this is great. Well, Um, what I to I like to ask always on my shows, I do a top three. So what would be your top three, uh, compounds that you see that maybe, and it can be anything. It can be ones that you've seen as most effective or the most popular in your practice for when we'll we'll just be specific with the woman's woman's sexual health. Okay.
3: Um I think probably my favorite that I've seen just the most positive outcomes, optimal outcomes as a result is vaginal diazepam suppositories okay um they're just there's nothing Mm. like that out on the on the commercially available market um they're i mean it's almost an immediate relaxation of the pelvic floor muscles the elevator anti-system of muscles and and you know there's different doses you can do people are more sensitive than others some people need a larger dose than others They can be used, you know, PRN sometimes. Um, They can be used once a day, twice a day. And it doesn't give the same. I always have students who are like, why would you do Valium? You know, doesn't that, isn't that for anxiety? Or like, doesn't that make you tired? And I'm like, well, when you take it orally, drugs do different things when they're given Mm -hmm. in different routes of administration, right? So orally, yes, orally, it is it is FDA approved for anxiety, um, you take it by mouth, it can make you sleepy, it can calm you down. But when you're, but it's also been, it's a benzodiazepine, right? It binds to the GABA receptor. It's a very down regulating drug. Mm-hmm. And when it's put right directly on the muscle or very close proximity to the muscles, you get that relaxation of muscles. It gets into those muscles, binds to the GABA receptors, really just kind of helps relax the whole thing but it doesn't give you a whole lot of those side effects. Yeah. There's always a chance you can get some sleepiness or whatnot, but it's not working in this. It's not working via that mechanism. Actually. It's not going through the same metabolism as it, as it would had you taken it orally. Right. So exactly. Yeah. That drug is cool. I just like it. Cause That's I've cool. seen it work in action like so wonderfully and just be so relied upon. Um,
2: And I still, bet a lot of our listeners haven't even heard of that, yeah. <laughs> you know, really, yeah. you know,
3: It's my favorite just because I know, I just know the wonderful, like, you know,
2: outcomes Mm -hmm. that it
3: has proved for so many people. Um, and that's just, you know, field experience for me. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some pretty good studies though. Um, what else? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, probably boric acid for uh, bacterial vaginosis. Oh yes. vaginal boric acid. Um, I just love the mechanism of action from a nerd standpoint. So (laughs) basically boric acid goes in and punches holes in the bacterial cell wall, which we all know bacterial cell walls can be very hard to penetrate sometimes Mm -hmm. with antibiotics, especially resistant bacteria um, or recurrent bacteria, recurrent BV or resistant BV. Um, so boric acid basically goes in and punches holes. You have to use it vaginally. You cannot take it orally, it's toxic.
2: Oh, yeah. It's no, do not take boric- it orally. <laughs> no, 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 no.
3: Yeah. Vaginal boric acid um punches holes in this bacterial cell wall. And then you can use like your metronidazols and your nystatins and that kind of thing to allow the drug to penetrate the core of the of the bacteria. So I just love that because I just think it's cool. It's it's mm-hmm. it works very synergistically with antibiotics and antifungals and anti yeast medicine so um no
2: that's a that sounds like very beneficial for women for sure for sure yeah for sure. and it's it's not that well known is the thing it's, it's not like- and it's old school. Like boric acid's been around for a long time, you yeah, know. I it's mean, old school. Yeah, it's old yep. school. And doctors are like, "Oh,
3: I've I've been giving her, you know, vaginal metronidazole, and and uh, yeah. it's not working anymore." And I'm just thinking, like, "Oh my gosh, those bacteria in there are just like having a party." Um, <laughs> metronidazole <laughs> not doing anything. But yeah. um, that's where you know, as pharmacists, we can step in and say, like, "Have you tried it in tandem with boric acid? Boric acid actually punches holes in the cell wall. It also." messes with the pH a little bit. So it kills off a lot of that bacteria. They can't, they can't survive in a, in a super acidic environment. So mm-hmm. it'll, it kill them. So, um, yeah, boric acid's cool. And then, oh my gosh, I don't even know. My third one would probably have to be, I'm going to, I'm going to go with testosterone. Mm, I'm going to okay, go with yeah. the trusty testosterone uh-huh. for women because I, I just don't think it gets enough it, it doesn't get enough kudos as, as it, as it should, as right. for women, it's, it flies under the radar. It, it gets all of its glory for, for men. Um, but it has a very, very important place in women's health. And, uh, we don't, we don't see it that all. We don't see it. We don't see it FDA approved for women. So I think that's where it, I know it's kind of like a secret, a secret tool.
2: Yeah. No, that, that's great. That's, those all sound really good. I think mine, I think one that I've seen a lot in practice would be the oxytocin. Also the nasal spray was really popular. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm.
3: Oxytocin is so neat. Um, just, and even like educating people about it and they're like, Ooh, oxytocin. Like, what are you trying to do? Put my patient in labor and I'm like I know. Everyone <laughs> thinks that, right? <laughs> well, not really at that dose. Um, it's a much lower dose. It's a very much lower dose. Um, but yeah, just oxytocin is a good one, the cuddle hormone.
2: Yes, I love that. That's great. I love it. Well, I feel like we could be talking about this for another hour. Or so this I has know. been really, really great. And and I've learned some things also. I mean, there's so much to learn. Um, good. Okay. As far as where are, I'd love to have you back on again to talk about, maybe we can talk about the men's and men's health sure. and maybe some new things that come out. Sure, this, That would be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as where to find you, what are the best? so The sexualhealthpharmacist.com is your website. Yep.
3: That is, that is my website, the Um, I'm also pretty, I'm more active, I would say on Instagram. So I try to put, you know, the latest and greatest information there. Um, mm-hmm. and that is the same handle it's at the sexual health pharmacist, just like it sounds one word. Um, yeah, I try to put the, as article as I see articles come out, I just did one on, um, Alzheimer's and hormones and how, you know, hormones. Ooh. yeah. So just, just interesting things that are going on. I try to include men's health, men's sexual health there too, mm-hmm. um, So you'll see some of those pop up sometimes and every now and then I'll go over a different drug that's used for sexual health. And then of course I'll post my, um, just ask podcast episodes once a month as they sort of release out. So you can kind of stay, you know, if you're, if you're interested in hearing from different, different specialties in the sexual health field, then, um, that's on there too. So I'd
2: say Instagram probably the most. Yeah. Then, I love your Instagram. That's great. And your website really is, is fun. fantastic. So passion
3: yeah. project for sure.
2: Yeah. Well, great. It was so great having you on and, um, looking forward to hearing and reading more on your, on your website and seeing what else that you're doing. It's, it's really great and it's so important. And so it's, it's very rare it's a very rare thing that, you know, I, I see now. So yeah. I think it's great what you're doing.
3: Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. giving, you know, allowing this platform to just, you know, further spread spread the word and spread yeah. opportunity for that and in and, and a field that, you know, needs it so much. And I think uh, the next project that we need to, you know, all probably join forces on is, um, Getting in, getting into some of the um, pharmacy school curriculums and really teaching absolutely the, at the source instead of having yep. to learn it on our own afterwards.
2: Yeah, uh, no, this definitely needed. Definitely needed <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Tara, and I'm looking okay. forward to talking to you again. <laughs> you too. Thank you
3: so much for having me.